We're going to jump into our sermon this morning, and if you have been with us, we have been doing this summer in the Psalms, and it's not only a Bible reading plan, but it's how we're doing our sermons throughout the summer. And then just as a little extra surprise, we've got a variety of in-house speakers that are communicating all throughout the summer, I think 11 in total. Last week we had Joey that preached, the week before that was Lindsay. They both happen to be in that nation I mentioned and uh, right now, just exciting. But this week we've got Stephen Paul up, so give it up for Stephen Paul. <laughs> woo, 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 woo! <laughs> All right, you guys are in for a treat, but y'all agree with me. I'm going to pray over Stephen before he jumps into Psalm 8. So, Lord, we thank you for this man of God, this brother in our midst, and, Lord, we thank you for the word you've given him this morning. And I just pray that you would fill him with your spirit and that, Lord, you would help us to receive whatever you want to do. We are so supportive of Stephen, but, Lord, this is more than than him preaching. Lord, do a work in us. Uh, Reveal yourself to us through your word and change us from the inside out. Thank you for what you're going to do. We bless our brother in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have fun, bro. Take it away. Thank you, Mitchell. Um, hi, guys. I'm Steven. Hey. Nice to meet you. I'm going to move around a lot. One, because I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, two is because I'm a teacher, and this is what I do in my classroom. Uh, I just walk around the room all the time. Uh, so you'll see me moving around a little bit. Um, and and so I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I'm a little bit nervous in this. I already said that once, and I just said it a second time, so that that's how you know it's true. Um, so to, to make me feel a little more comfortable, uh, I teach 11 and 12-year-olds. So if a few of you could start banging pencils on the back of chairs or something, maybe a few try to balance on one leg of your chair, uh, get up to go to the bathroom like 10 times. That would be awesome because that's what I'm used to. Um, no, actually, don't do any of those things, please. Uh, incredibly distracting. Um, now, um, so my name is Stephen. Um, some of you know me. Uh, some of you don't. If you don't, I'd love to get to know you. Um, many of you probably know my family better than me. So there's a photo of them. This is this is the crew. Um, it's my beautiful wife Sarah, who you might get to hear from also soon. Um, Emerson is nine. She's the the girl in the front there, blue dress. She is incredible. Uh, And then my sons, Micah and Theo. Micah is six. Theo is two. And I just put a couple words that describe them up there, Um, which those of you that know them would agree with all those things. Um, Okay. So, um, yeah, I I told you I'm a middle school social studies teacher. I taught math for a little bit. Um, Social studies is way more fun. and, uh, yeah, here, here in Springdale, um, I got connected to Antioch, actually, um, through John and Leslie Green and Cole. Um, however, we all kind of came at the same time. Uh, they they kind of made some early on connections and said, hey, we want you to check this out. Um, and we've, my family's gotten the pleasure to do life with them for the last, like, 13-ish years. Uh, pretty incredible. They're awesome people. Um, never taught on a Sunday morning. I do teach a lot, though, just kids. Um, but I'm looking forward to sharing what God is revealing to me in Psalm 8. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, you know, I've been praying for just boldness in my words and, and being confident, and those things are true, dear God, but if, 
it means looking like a babbling idiot to um, have someone experience you. I'm for it. Dear God, we just pray for our time this morning. We pray for um, you just to put yourself front and center. Reveal yourself. Reveal your power through the works of your hands, but also through how you use us. In your name, amen. All right, so we're going to read Psalm 8, but before we do that, I um, need to know a little bit of context here. Um, so Psalm 8, uh, le- leading up to Psalm 8, Psalm 3 through 7, you have uh, David, and he's crying out um, for God to restore him to his role as king. Um, so in this, you can obviously see he's feeling powerless. He's feeling unequipped for the moment. Um, he's feeling attacked in a lot of it. Um, then we have Psalm 8. Then following Psalm 8, uh, Psalms uh, 9 through 14, um, David is joined then by the poor and the powerless, is what they call them. Um, and, and these are God's chosen people, and they are crying out together with David um, for God to confront the world empires. Okay, so, so this is all happening through these first few books of Psalms, and, and it's people feeling powerless and asking for God to take control. Um, so, we'll jump into Psalm 8 now. I'm going to read it off the screen. Got it? Okay, fantastic. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and to anger er, and, to, and the avenger. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set into place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and the beasts of the field the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. All right, so as we read those simple nine verses, it's probably easy to see God's glory and his majesty on display, right? His brilliance, his creativity, the scale of his creation even. His ultimate power Today, we're going to look carefully at this, though, because I think he's speaking a little bit more about the power of his creation. He's speaking about power in a different way. So let's take a look at that real quick. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think of when you think of powerful? Let me get a drink of water. All right, I told you I'm a history teacher. Um, To the Hebrews, to the Hebrews, they probably thought Egypt, Pharaoh, right? They were enslaved to that for 400 years. Um, So that's probably what they thought of as powerful, things of the world. Early Christians, we talk about the Roman Empire, empire for thousands, and that's pretty debatable, but there's thousands of years that the Roman Empire is in power. Uh, Empire is in power. And then um, I, I had to put, you know, for m- me, as an eight-year-old, I thought about asking Micah, my six-year-old, but 
I don't I wasn't sure what answer I was gonna get. So I thought for myself, as an eight-year-old, what would be powerful? First thing that came to mind was the Hulk, right? <laughs> Absolutely, like like indestructible, right? And just um, just turn it on, like that. Um, as we look through Psalm eight, though, a little closer, a little bit more in depth, I think God's talking about a different kind of power. And let's look at that today. Uh, so we'll start verse one. Verse one: O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. So um, as a teacher, when you want someone to know something, a student in particular, you tend to say things over and over, power of repetition, right? Um, Basketball, shooting free throws, quarterback, same, you know, throwing the same passing round, whatever it may be. Um, But if you want someone to know something, you repeat it over and over. So, So it's not by mistake, this is said at the beginning in verse one, but this is also said at the end in verse 9, because it's about his majesty. His majesty is his strength and his glory, which is his sovereign power and his authority. You see, God is Lord, and his majesty is everywhere. It tells us there in all the earth. It, It takes up, it fills up the land and the skies. But then it also extends above the heavens. Now, this is beyond our comprehension. We have no way to measure this, right? It's, it's not like shooting free throws. It's not like throwing the same passing route. It's beyond anything we can understand. You know, God is Lord. Um, I'm sorry. The powers of the earth are limited to time and space, right? Just like we were talking about. So, so the Roman Empire, for instance, right, they were limited to the Mediterranean Sea area. And as a matter of fact, The whole reason they fell is they tried to extend themselves beyond that. They tried to become more and more powerful, and in so made themselves spread very thin, and then they were easily overrun, and they fell apart. Um, The Hulk, he's stuck in comic books, movies, TV shows, whatever it may be, right? He can't extend beyond that because he's a fictional character. Um, But (laughs) the sovereign power of the Lord, it stretches beyond the heavens, which Again, it's immeasurable to us. We, we have no concept for its vastness or its glory. Um, okay, let's look to verse 2. Verse 2, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. This is where it takes a little bit of a turn, all right? Um, talking about the vastness of God's glory, and then he jumps into talking about the lips, or the words, of children and infant. I've got a two-year-old. His words are becoming stronger, I'll say, but um, still, we, we we don't take it those to their full accord, right? Because it's from a child. Um, it's viewed as weak. It's viewed as foolish. But this is what God chooses to use to silence the foe. And this is a, a great example and what we'll see throughout of how God is going to use the things that are perceived in this world as weak to display his ultimate power. Um, we, we see it again, 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us, 
1 Corinthians 1.27, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. He's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And then also, funny side note, Matthew 21.16, Jesus also quotes Psalm 8, um, which is fantastic. So uh, context, Matthew 21, um, temple courts filled with trade you know, shops, selling different things. He comes in very frustrated with his children, and he, he, he gets rid of it, right? Uh, what is the first thing he does? He starts healing people, all right? Let's, let's bring back what this is for. Let's start healing people again. And, um, and then he is approached by the chief priests, and they say to him, did you hear the children say, Hosanna to the son of David? Hosanna meaning praise to the son of David. And Jesus said, yes. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? Then I was going to do a mic drop, but I didn't uh, Didn't think that would be good. So it's like a mic drop moment. He just walks away, right? So what does he do in that? Is he doesn't have to call out the religious leaders in this. The children have already done it, right? Um, it's meant to silence the enemies, and he's literally saying to them, Yes, I am Lord, and you are the enemy. Let's move into verse 3 through 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set into place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? All right, so I'm a little bit of a visual learner sure many of you are as well. Um, and when we think of creation, we think of the vastness of creation. This is something that humans have been obsessed with for a very long time. The moon, the stars, every nebula, black hole, faraway planet, solar system, God has created them all. It is not a product of Star Wars or Star Trek, whichever way you go with that. Uh, God created it all. He designed it, right? Uh, we just looked at it. Somebody looked at it and said, hey, this would make a good movie um, or book. Um. <laughs> but for me, I think back to um, a moment in time, right? So, so if any of you stood in front of something and, and you were just in awe of its beauty and its vastness, meaning its large scale, right? So this could be Grand Canyon, ocean, mountains, whatever it may be. Um, for me, um, I was, was, I say was, because I haven't done it in a long time, but I was an avid skier, a uh, snow skier, and um, I was in Breckenridge uh, the very first time that I went up as high as I could go. Um, this would have been about 12,000, I put it down, 12,840 feet. Um, so I get up there, that's about 100-ish feet shy of the peak, and I, you know, you, you get off the little T-bar lift, you ski up to the edge, and before you, like, take on what craziness you just got yourself into, you just look out, right? And you just see this same mountain that you just experienced, you know, driving to, climbing up, getting on lifts, all the things to get to where you are. You just see a whole bunch more of them stretched for miles and miles and miles. And, and you have this idea in your head, or at least I did, like, whoa, hold on a minute, <laughs> Like, God created all of this, 
And not only does he did he create it all, he cares for it and every single thing that's in it. Um, and he he also like like this is just a blimp on the map. Like this this is nothing compared to what else there is. But yet here I am, very tiny, insignificant, be, look like an ant if you were at the bottom of the mountain type of situation. And, and here I am in this moment, feeling very, very small, right? <laughs> because of all of what is around. Um, and it leaves us feeling a little bit insignificant, right? And I think the next line kind of speaks to that a little bit, right? Uh, you know, what is man? You know, it's talking about all of creation, the splendor of God's creation, and then it's what is man. Um, well, God created man out of dirt. So man is made up of dirt, <laughs> right? Um, so so uh, I got this one from uh, my you know, Bible project. I was going to say my friends, but I don't know them at all. Uh, Bible project, right? I feel like I'm friends. <laughs> I do a lot of Bible project. Uh, so... Man is dirt creatures, right? We're just these little dirt creatures that God created. Um, but I don't think that is by accident. I think that's very intentional to who God is. Um, you know, he didn't create us from a mighty redwood. He didn't create us from uh, fine granite or marble or precious gold or diamonds or whatever it is. All these magnificent things that we think of. He created us from the most simple and lowly of things dirt. Um, now, I want to be careful, right, because we don't want to, to downplay man. That's not God's intention, right? This is God at work, okay? So, this is not a downplay of man. We're going to learn about that in just a minute, um, but it is an astonishment of God's creation and his mighty power. So God doesn't want us to dwell in our smallness, even though we are small. We are insignificant in the vastness of the world, but we're also his most precious creation. Um, he even goes on to tell us, right? He is mindful of us. He's thinking of us. He is concerned with us, right? He, he has care for us. And then it goes into cares for us. Now, this is more of an action, which is fantastic, right? <laughs> That's an amen moment. Uh, he dwells with us, and he's in us, right? He's taking care of us. He is personally interacting with us. He is in us, guys. Um, and that's incredible. So, so he, he tells us, uh, you know, the, the idea of what is man? We feel so small and insignificant, but yet you care for us. Yet you want to be with us. Yet you are with us. Um, and that's, it's, it's just incredible. Um, I want to tell you a little story. Um, so in college, uh, I got to college, started working for Camp Warrior. Um, it's a camp here in Rogers. Well, not here. Well, you know, closer. Uh, and anyway, um, I absolutely love camp. Everything about it. Um, and in college, I, you know, went to camp, left camp, all right, changing my major, right? Uh, I was a business major, and I decided, hey, I'm going to go into recreational management so that I could have a better shot at working for camp when I graduated. Now, this was not agreed upon by all members, right? That was more my idea. Some other people thought, recreation? 
you want a job, right? Uh, yes, yes, I want to work for camp. That was the plan, okay? Um, so I, I ended up planning the next few years of my life around this idea that I was going to work for camp. Uh, time had come, 2009, and I am graduating from college. There's an opening at camp that I am a perfect fit for. So I'm out at camp because it's summer, and they're walking through the interview process for this new position. Um, I do some digging. I find out who all is applying for this, and I, I'm seeing that, okay, I um, am heavily more qualified than any of these other people, all right? I'd been on top staff, which is, it's you know, you have counselors, and then you have the people that are in charge of the counselors, and the program areas, so I had done that for three years through college. Um, I volunteered for the, the, the year-round camp program. I volunteered for that, I, you know, two or three times a week. I was doing stuff with that all throughout the year. Um, I was in leadership at camp, and then now I had a degree to match all the skills that I had obtained through all of my work. Um, I not only thought I was a shoe-in for the position, but even the people that I talked to, even like full-time staff members who were a part of the decision-making process, like everything that I was receiving was, yes, right, this totally makes sense. This is God's timing, right? That's the way it felt anyway. Um, and so <laughs> um, I interviewed, and I nailed it. Yeah. I was walking away um, feeling very powerful. All the plans that I had made, even though it wasn't agreed upon by everyone, all those plans that I had made were working out. And for me, I was looking at, you know, look at all that I've achieved over these four years, and now I get to take this amazing opportunity, and I get to work for God in this new way, right? Um, three days or so passed. can't remember exactly. And I'm called into the office. And for me, I know this is, all right, I'm called in to accept my new position with camp. Um, I got these humbling words instead. You're really awesome. You would do great things at camp. However, we're going to hire someone else. I didn't feel like a babbling baby in that moment. I instead felt like a throw yourself on the floor and throw a hissy fit and tell them all the reasons that they're making the wrong decision um, type of baby. Uh, <laughs> I did hold my composure all the way out the camp offices and found the most secluded place you could find at camp, which is not secluded. And as a 22-year-old on the lookout eligible bachelor, I bawled my eyes out. Um, you see, all these abilities, achievements, all this power that I had worked for, it all felt pretty meaningless. Um, I had a step back to reality moment, and I held on to this for a very, very long time, um, many, many years. And in the last few years, even, I've been able to look back and say, thank you, Lord, for that no. So hard to hear. I know many of you experience this all the time, right? No's are very hard to hear. My two-year-old hears them all the time. He doesn't like them either, right? Um, they're very hard to hear, but 
Thank you, God, for that now. You see, I looked at all these things that I accomplished as my power instead of the Holy Spirit living in and through me. I was consumed with pride and arrogance. And I was constantly having to put on a show to prove my ability. God knew that what I needed was some humble pie first, but then also to see that without God at the forefront and at the center, all of these abilities, these achievements, the things we can do here on earth, they all fall short. So I tell you this story for a couple reasons. One is that God is with us, even though it doesn't always feel like it. He is with us. He does care. And it might take years before you say, thank you, God. Thank you for that now, right? It might take a while. But the other thing is that he's not, he's not intending to use you from a position of power, from gain all these abilities and then I'll use you. His intent, he's intending to use you because you're his son or daughter and you're willing to be used by God. Um, Okay, let's jump. Verses 5 through 8. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings or the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the flocks and herds, beasts of the field, birds of the air, and fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Okay, first thing we can see here is he's given us a little social structure, right? So uh, he's letting us know, hey, we're just below the angels, but you're also above all of creation, right? So he, he you know, we, we just had this what is man. Hey, yeah, you're made out of dirt, but you're just below angels. So that's a good thing, right? You're above all these other things, okay? Um, and then he, he, he not only says, hey, here we are in this, but you have dominion or authority and control over the works of my creation. Wow, okay. Dirt creature, here you go. You get all of it. Tend it. Take care of it, right? Um, Genesis 1, 29 through 30 says this, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the air, all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath and life in it, I give you every green plant for food, and it was so. He's giving it up to us. Like, he, he's like, hey, yes, what is man? You feel insignificant, but you're not to me because you are managing what I've created here on earth. And it's worship for us. It's worship to God to tend to and manage his creation. You know, we don't worship the creation, though. We have to be careful. You don't worship the creation. But you are worshiping God in the way that you manage his creation. Sorry. Verse 9. O Lord... Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
All right. So important. Again, yes, we see God's he's we're hearing this over again. Right. This is God's ordained truth. And he wants that glory, that majesty. You see, God's power, it's not just mighty strength like the Hulk, but it's humility and gentleness. And he instills us with this power. That is the superpower, right? He instills that in us. And even though it feels hard, he gives it to us and he gives it to us freely. In Ephesians 1, 19 through 21, he says this, and his incomparable great power for us. He is giving his incomparably great power for us. All who believe. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. You see, he had two different kinds of power in this, right? The power of humility to die on the cross for a bunch of people, right? For his children, right? But he had the ability, the power to set everything else aside to die on the cross in humility. But then he also had the power to raise from the dead something incomparable. We don't understand, right? Um, Incomparable that we don't understand. Um, and, And raise from the dead and be seated on the right hand. So he's showing both kinds of power in this. Also, it says every title that can be given, I relate that back to my story, guys. I didn't need the title to be used by God. I wanted the title. I felt I had earned the title. But I needed the humble pie so that way I could be used by God to the fullest. So this leads us to a couple things, right? Um, these are some truths about man that we can take from this, about us, right? Some truths about man. Um, the first one is this. God created us intentionally. It wasn't by sheer accident. All of the things that, that God did in creation for us was very purposeful, even to the point of creating us from dirt, the most humble and lowly of materials, right? So we're the dirt creatures, right? And we have purpose, and every detail in our creation is important to who God is, not to who we are, but to who God is. The second one is God cares for us, right? We see this in verse 4, and I used it in the story I told you as well. Although we are small and weak in the vastness of all his creation, we are his most precious children, And he makes himself available to live in us and through us, through his spirit. He wants to be with us. He cares for us. And the last one, God has a high calling for us, right? He didn't didn't say, hey, I'm going to create all of the people of the earth to just hang out, right? Just chill. No, he called us to tend his creation. He called us and gave us authority over the creation. And he even says that one day 
we will shift in this and we will even have authority over the angels, right? This also tells us some truths about God. The first one's this. He loves to use the weak and powerless things. He loves to show up as the underdog, right? He loves that. He loves that, you know, man, man was created from dirt creatures, right? He, he loves that when he rides into the city, he rides in on a donkey, right? When he, he loves that the people that are greeting him there are the women, the children, the peasants, the lowliest of society. They're the ones that are excited for his coming. And he dwells in that, right? Um, second thing, he's also creative and fun. It tells you all of the different ways that he created things just by the works of his hand, his fingers, right? The mountains, the seas. When we talked about the vastness of my experience on top of, you know, the mountain in Breckenridge, like he, he is so creative in the way that he designed that, right? It doesn't discredit his sovereign power over all of those things. And the last one is that he deserves all the glory and the honor. Both the beginning and the end of this psalm start with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. He deserves all of it, every last bit. Um, I'll go ahead, and <laughs> go ahead and have the worship team come back up. Um, I want to leave you with a question, though. Um, the question is this, just like me and my story, just like maybe things that you're experiencing, what are some things that you're holding on to because they make you feel powerful that you need to let go of to be used by God? This is a reflection point for a while. These aren't just going to appear. They could, but they might not, right? It might be a little deeper than you realize. I did not know that I needed humble pie in that season but I did, and it took many years afterwards before I realized that. It's a good question to continue to ask. You see, in the creation story, God elevates something he made from dirt to be his image and to rule over all of creation. He loves to elevate and empower the poor and the powerless. He loves to show a different kind of power by serving in humility. He loves to show a different kind of power by utilizing people, not from a position of strength, but a position of weakness. He loves to ride in on a donkey and not on a powerful white horse. He loves to enter the city surrounded by the weakest of society instead of the nobles and religious leaders. We were created for a purpose, and he wants us to live in humility, not of self-depreciation, but of proper respect for God and who he is. We are to live for God and his purposes. And I'm, I'm going to finish by reading this just because it relates back to this whole thing. Because remember, all of this is about God and who God is. It's not about us. He talks about man. Yeah, it's fun. But it's about God and who he is and how he works. So Colossians 1.16 says this. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him 
and for him. So there will be a time to reflect here. Um, the worship fans can play a little bit. Um, there will be a few people up here who need prayer, uh, life group leaders. And I just encourage you to sit and to dwell on that for a minute. What, what are we not giving up to God? What, what power are we holding on to? What are the things that we're too afraid to let go of? So I encourage you to pray about that for a little bit. If you'd like prayer, there will be some people up at the front. And then we'll close out here in a little bit. Thank you so much.